The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey there, friends. Thanks for being with us yet one more time on Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. My good friend, John Stenberger, Florida Family Policy Council, back in the studio with me for this segment. Great to have you here, John. Mike, it's good to be here. I'm starting to feel like a little bit at home when I come in the studio here. Yeah, it's kind of great, (laughs) isn't it? I mean, it's kind of home and I love it. And it's always good to spend time with you. We've known you for, well, we've talked about this before, like 30 years plus now. And uh, the work that you're doing with the council, it's appreciated, needed. These are crazy times right now that we're living yep. in. And what we saw Monday night with the uh, raid at uh, Mar-a-Lago, that, that was surprising to a lot of people. Yep. Well, the FBI better have the goods. I mean, if it's not something very serious, uh, this is outrageous. you know. Yeah. And so it's either something really bad for Trump or it's something really bad for the government because what we're talking about, if this is some minor thing or some something that's not very serious where they just kind of willy-nilly did this, it's extraordinary. And it undermines the credibility of institutions. And that is a very dangerous thing. Yeah. When the general public, uh, when the MAGA forces, when ordinary people start to feel like that the government as a whole or institutions within the government are being illegitimate and they're exceeding their bounds, that is just horrible. It creates a lawless spirit. You know, you have January 6th that happened. You had all this stuff and people wonder why. Well, you know what? When you abuse your power, that's what happens. But we'll see. You can't really render an opinion to you know what's in that mm-hmm. warrant. Right. Now, a Harvard-educated lawyer who worked in the Trump administration recently tweeted just an hour ago that Trump actually has a copy of the warrant and he can make it public. I'm sure he's talking with his lawyers now to determine whether or not that's actually something he could do or should do. But in any regard, he has the ability to make that public. Um, so I don't know what, whether he will or not. Yeah, it's one of those things that if they if they're doing this only because of uh, a persecution of a person that they politically disagree with, that is a precedent that uh, has never been done before. This is unprecedented. So, yep. what would happen to this? Uh, you know, besides the loss of reputation, what could happen to the people in the DOJ? Well, I don't really know that there's a way to hold them accountable, really. That's the unfortunate thing. That's at the ballot box in a couple of half years from now. And so that's the unfortunate thing is that I don't know how you hold them accountable. I mean, I suppose you could bring a civil rights claim against the government, but that's just for money damages. Trump doesn't need money damages. Mm -hmm. You could do it just for the principle of it, a violation of civil rights. Certainly that probably is something that would be appropriate. So whoever Um, signed that uh, search warrant, would they be liable as well? Well, that's a good question. Usually judges have judicial immunity, qualified immunity, and as long as they're doing something within the course and scope of their ordinary duties, then they're immune from uh, civil liability. Um, so I don't think the court would be liable. You know, it, it just depends. There, there's so many factors here. There's so many moving, and we don't know the facts. That's the problem. We don't know who did this, who authorized it. We don't know what the warrant says, what they were looking for, whether they exceeded the scope of the warrant. It may have been very specific, and they took a bunch of stuff that they didn't have to take. So, so all of those questions have to be answered before we can really make serious accusations. All I know is that there better be something serious on Trump. Otherwise the government has really done something very, very wrong and unprecedented in human 
in Florida, in, in you know, U.S. history anyway. So. That's for sure. And we know that Trump is lawyered up as it is anyway. So uh, he is uh, obviously very upset about this thing. And I think he should be. I think we all should be. As one person said, if they're willing, uh, mean, meaning this administration, if they're willing to come after uh, the president, a former president of the United States, then, well, that's why they've yeah. hired 87,000 new IRS agents yep. to come after the American people. Yep. Alan Dershowitz, who's a pretty straight shooter, he did not vote for Trump, but he's a brilliant lawyer, has been yes. on Fox, and he has said that, look, it should have been actually a subpoena, not a warrant, and that if they thought that the documents would be destroyed, then, you know, obviously they could still they could still do that. So that's another big question. Uh, he says that the appropriate would have been a subpoena. If he didn't cooperate with the subpoena, that he could have said it was within a day or two days. Yeah. And immediately they could have done the same thing uh, with a proper subpoena first. So, uh, but I guess their argument would have been that they felt like the documents could have been destroyed or something if they Which did not. Which is odd uh, because Trump wasn't even at the, at the residence. Well, that's right. And that's another nuance to it. He had no ability to actually... Yeah. determined that the scope was correct or whatever it was. So. so you have, what, 30 cars, I heard, or, you know, or 20 cars and 30 agents, agents yeah. there uh, just going through your residence. I mean, you talk about uh, a uh, an act that is intrusive. I can't think of too many things yeah. that would be more horrible than thinking about that. And then if they did, I heard they they took just bunches of boxes, maybe uh, dozens of, of uh, boxes of stuff out, and what are those things? Yeah. And then the, the scary thought, if you've got some illegitimate people doing that kind of work, could they plant evidence and say they found it? It's a good point. It's a very good point. He could be set up as well. Yeah. yeah. That's scary all the way around. Yep. And uh, I am grateful as believers that we have God to go to in times like this. I don't know what people do, man, that don't yeah. have the Lord. but. Yeah. But these are times, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the days ahead shake out on this. John, you've got some big news with regards to a tour that is a multi-city tour, and it's for pastors. So tell us about that. We're very excited about this, Mike. It's a 13-city pastors tour. Um, it's going to start on Monday, August the 22nd, and go all the way to uh, Tuesday, August the 30th. We're going to Pensacola, Panama City, Tallahassee, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, Sarasota, Naples, Stewart, West Palm Beach, Boca, Fort Lauderdale, and then Miami. Holy cow. It's a nine-day tour. We're doing two <laughs> events a day. It's going to be very aggressive. Lots of coffee. Yeah, lots of coffee. <laughs> and uh, so we're very excited about it. And um, folks can go online at flfamily.org to register. It's called Be Thou My Vision. And we're giving a pastors a vision for family, church, and government a new vision, Florida, mm -hmm. a Florida vision for how we can think about these things. And we want to present three different areas. We want to talk about protecting children. We want to equip the church and we want to partner with government leaders. And the way we're going to do that is we want to talk about all the unique ways that Florida has to off ramp children who are in bad schools to go to better schools, either public schools, private schools, or homeschools. We have scholarships, amazing opportunities in Florida that are available nowhere else in the country. But people just don't know about them. Millions and millions of dollars where you can literally off-ramp your child from a bad public school and get $8,000 a year to go to a private school. And these are fundings that are available. No one knows about them. So we're going to help pastors understand these opportunities so that they can pass them on to the congregation. Secondly, we want to talk about the Dobbs case, the overturn of Roe, and how this is going to increase the number of women 
who are abortion-minded but do not have easy access to abortion. And this, of course, means that the pregnancy centers, the amazing pregnancy centers, all of the state of Florida, over 140 of them, we're going to have them in the room. We're going to connect them with the pastors. We're going to tell the pastors who these ladies are, what ministries they do at each location. And we're going to challenge every church, Mike, in Florida and then in the country with all of our partner groups, every church in America, to adopt one or more pregnancy center. And that means putting them on financial monthly mission budget. And then secondly, once a year, looking them in the eye and say, what can we do to physically help you? Now, you mentioned you're doing this with the context of pastors, uh, really encouraging pastors in all of these 13 cities to come out and uh, really be equipped. What are you seeing, John, as uh, the kind of state, the overall state of the ministry, the the clergy side of of our lives together here in the church? What What could be better? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I think that um, first and foremost, the pastors need to be courageous. Uh, they can't be cowering with fear over what people are going to say in their congregation when they speak prophetically from the pulpit about mm. moral and social issues that are clearly in the scripture. What we have is a church that views themselves only as a seeker-friendly evangelistic ministry. And so because they're doing that, they're never getting into the deep discipleship. They're not drilling down into the word of God. They're not doing teaching, not just preaching, but teaching on what the scripture says. Now you can do both of those things and you can vary and you can have variance. But if all we do is, is, is be sensitive all the time to everybody in the congregation, we're never going to get the meat of God's word, the truth of God's word. And we're never going to understand how the Bible applies to every issue of life. Cause we're always worried about somebody we're offending, whether that's millennials or the the lady the older lady who's whatever the the big donor or whatever it is in the church to me that's the biggest thing is courage pastors need to be courageous in speaking the unfiltered truth of the word of god as to how that applies especially in a culture like in which we're living today do you believe john that pastors uh, maybe bought in more to the fear that they were given from authorities that would say, you know, you know, you have to have separation of church and state here. You can't be up on Sunday mornings and talking about things political. Do you think that that swung too far? Yeah, I think there's several things going on here. There's a 501c3 IRS thing that's kind of seeped into our theology, and that's artificial. It's an unconstitutional regulation by the IRS. Um, that's that's one piece of it. I think the other piece is just fear of congregation, getting those emails that sound bigger than life by somebody who's complaining, who's whatever, pro-LGBT or doesn't like the pastor to talk about politics or whatever it is. And so the, there's that fear part of the courage part. And then there's just the theology part mm-hmm. where their theology is just tilted. They just feel like, no, this we're, we're about evangelism and teaching. We're not about politics. But the problem is these things are connected, right? You, yeah. you can't talk about killing human beings and not say that the scripture has nothing to say yeah. about that, right? Yeah, somebody yeah. said that the Bible itself is political. You can't deny that. Well, that's yeah. right. And even there's so many examples of biblical figures who partnered with government leaders, who confronted government leaders, mm-hmm. who disobeyed government laws. I mean, it's all throughout the scripture. Daniel, Esther, I mean, you just so many examples of, of men of God in the Old and New Testament who mm-hmm. were engaged in the government, whether that's confronting the government or reaching the government or partnering with the government or becoming part of the government. And so you have all these examples in Scripture. And so there's a clear pattern of, of, of pastors, come, the, the shepherds of God's church, partnering with the shepherds of God's government in the Scripture. And that's the third thing we're going to communicate at these pastors conferences is our capital project with Dr. Kevin Baird. Um, And we want to invite pastors to the Capitol. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, And we want to invite uh, pastors to the Capitol to just simply pray for 
elected officials, and we mm-hmm. want them to develop a relationship together. Now, well, you've talked about family, too, and this is another area, the sphere of government within a family. That has been questioned and assaulted. I mean, just assaulted, right, uh, in this last couple of years, especially, it seems, the last six months. I mean, we've we've had case after case where, uh, you know, going back to Loudoun, Virginia, uh, where parents stood up and said, enough of this stuff. We're going to be involved. You can't stop us. The school boards can't quiet us. We're going to be involved. And now there's a new film out, Truth and Lies in American Education, that is really exposing a lot of indoctrination that's going on in our school system. So parents are waking up, aren't they? Yeah. I think one of the things that happened, Mike, during COVID, one of the good things that happened is that everybody became a homeschooler. Right. They right. shut the schools down. And so the parents got to see firsthand the trash and the ideological garbage and the trans ideology that was coming through their screens at home because that they get they no longer away from it. They actually saw it. And as a result of that, we see this huge uprising of thousands of grizzly mamas. We see Moms for Liberty, see Moms for America, all these groups popping up saying, hey, push back. We're not going to let you do this to our kids. We're not going to let you assault their innocence and do all this stuff. So it's actually produced an enormous movement of moms who are really upset. And that's a very good thing for democracy. It's a very good thing for the Constitutional Republic. When you look, John, from your perspective at the kind of the landscape right now, you mentioned pushback. and, And I love that. I love it when parents or when the church or when individuals, any one of the three, uh, really have it kind of come to that boiling point, and there's almost like like this righteous anger. It's it's a good thing that uh, people say enough is enough. We're not going to do this anymore. Uh, are you? What are you encouraged most when you look at our our culture, especially here in Florida? What excites you the most about a grassroots swell like that? Well, um, it's people taking, it's consent of the governed, people taking ownership of the government, right? The more that we abandon it and just say, oh, we're not going to do this, it's icky or whatever it is, then you turn it over to people who are not well-meaning. I'm very excited about Ron DeSantis and his courage. When you see leaders have courage, when they're willing to stand alone, that's the essence of moral leadership. People, people see that and they admire it and they say, yes, the moment you're standing alone, you're not standing alone because people are following you at that mm-hmm, point. Right. And that's what DeSantis has done. He has and gave courage to not just the people, but he's given courage to the legislative bodies that's watching him and following him to legislative leadership. And and the entire government now is, is a backbone that they haven't had before. Even agencies now are doing things they wouldn't normally do because they're seeing the governor, they're seeing them step out, step out for what's right and good and true. And they're saying, wow, we're going to, we're going to follow this man. Hmm. John, you were one of the first people that I heard say you really believe that the Dobbs case was going to blow open Roe v. Wade, and you were right, and it did. And you had a long before it, that ultimate word came from the Supreme Court. You had a document out about life after Roe, and that you said that's going to be part of what you're talking about at this pastor's tour. Yes, we're going to be talking about what are the implications of. Roe being overturned. In Florida, we have a 15-week bill. It's on appeal right now, but it still is the law. And from the people I'm hearing, the sidewalk counselors, the abortion clinics are obeying that law. So that means that there's a number of women who are who want abortions after 15 weeks that cannot get them in Florida. Mm-hmm. So those are women we want to reach. Reach with the gospel, reach with services, reach with love and care through the pregnancy centers. So we want, those ladies have to increase their capacity. All these pregnancy centers, 140 of them throughout Florida, they have to do infrastructure, they have to do long-term planning, they have to think about an influx. And the legislature is also considering other 
prohibitions to protect unborn children even further, perhaps heartbeat at six weeks or perhaps even a full ban mm-hmm. with some exceptions, I, I would think. But but that's both those are possibilities. And if that happens, there will be literally tens of thousands of women who are abortion minded who will not be able to get easy access to abortion and not at all in Florida in those, in those circumstances. So so we have to equip these pregnancy centers to increase their capacity to help women. And that's part of this tour of what we're trying to do now. Boy, that's exciting. So give us the overlay again of this tour. So it starts uh, in Pensacola on uh, Monday, uh, August 22nd. And so on Monday, we'll be in Pensacola, Panama City. Tuesday, 23rd, we'll be in Tallahassee and Jacksonville. Wednesday, the 24th, we'll be in Orlando and Tampa. Thursday, the 25th, we'll be in Sarasota and Naples. Uh, Friday, the 26th, we'll be in Stewart and then Boca Raton. And then Monday, the 29th, we'll be in West Palm and Fort Lauderdale. And finally, on Tuesday morning, we'll be in Miami. You can get tickets and go online at flfamily.org. Pastors, church leaders, elders, uh, deacons, we want all those folks involved and engaged in these various meetings. Well, I'm praying for you, man. I, I just wore out just listening to you tell me <laughs> the tour. That's unbelievable. All of these cities, 13 cities, starting in Pensacola and working your way down the uh, state, down the peninsula. And I wish you the best, man. I am so grateful. I, you've got uh, your Trail Life shirt on. So you're you're heading to an event from here. It's a Trail Life meeting tonight, uh, opening meeting with my son, Benjamin. So, yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Thank you for what you've done for that. We've talked about that on a number of occasions. John was one of the leading forces behind this great new organization that kind of filled that void for the Boy Scouts. So we're grateful for what you're doing. John Stenberger, it's always great to have you up here. Man. Thank you, Mike. It's great. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com Back again here on Afternoons with Mike, my guest right now over the phone, a return visit with Katie Tolento. She's with the Alliance for Healthcare Sharing Ministries, the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries. We'll just call it the Alliance for short. And obviously, uh, it's great to have you back with us here, Katie. It's my pleasure to be back. Thanks, Mike. You know, the last time you and I talked, and we know that health care sharing this whole thing it's it's obviously something that has become very special to people in a day and age when obamacare and the quote quote affordable care act uh was supposed to kick in and make things so much better uh it uh, didn't really work out so well for most people and we we see the rise of popularity of this thing it's not really insurance but it is healthcare sharing, and yet it, it replaces 
and it substitutes for the role of uh, a person's health care in traditional insurance. Is that pretty close to being accurate? Yeah, you're right that healthcare sharing ministries are not insurance. They are a really good solution to the high cost of healthcare, though, and every family needs a solution. Um, so if, if healthcare sharing ministries are a fit for your family, um, it, it's a good solution. But you're right. It's not insurance. It's, it's really a, nothing like insurance. It's a group of uh, like-minded believers coming together and agreeing to share in each other's expenses. I like to suggest it's, a, it's sort of like a, a homeschool co-op, but for healthcare. So to the extent that a homeschool co-op is sort of replacing the role of a public school in your family's life, it's nothing like a public school. That's sort of a, a good analogy. It really is, because in that analogy, uh, the homeschool parent is helping the kids and exposing the kids to a wider group than it would be just in their own home every day, and they get the shared benefits that come in relationship. And all of that is true. I know we were part of a health care sharing ministry for about four years, and it was a great experience. And uh, now uh, we're at that point in time where uh, I'm I'm in I'm in that age. I'm in that old age group now, and that's so I'm on Medicare. But even then, healthcare sharing can take part, right? Yes, um, we do have members that are Medicare eligible, but for the most part, the the math doesn't work for most families who are in that, just like it probably didn't for you. Um, so if you're Medicare eligible, it's probably more advantageous for you to be in Medicare, but you know that that's individual for each family. It's usually targeting uh, families that are under Medicare age. And basically, that is, the like you said, a, a great number of people who are in need of some sort of help, who are in need of some sort of health care program because of the fact that, let's face it, what we thought we had years ago and that would never change, the traditional insurance model, that is not around anymore today, really. Well, the cost of it certainly isn't. I mean, it used to be quite affordable if you were self-employed, you had a small business. And, you know, I remember being in my 20s and, you know, needing a policy, an insurance policy right after college. And it was, you know, 100 bucks a month. <laughs> so uh, those days are long gone. Your average uh, insurance policy with Blue Cross or, or one of the other carriers is, you know, something like 400, 500, depending on your age. Yeah, and you know when we um, when I went into Medicare and Cindy is younger than I, as we had to get her some health care, and I thought we would continue. We were part of that Affordable Care Act, and uh, you know uh, the premium. If we would have stayed with Cindy, the premium was going to be eighteen hundred dollars a month for just well, you, one person. Yeah, and you know. Um, even that outrageous, egregiously price-gouged premium was actually subsidized in the ACA exchange by younger people because they don't allow those premiums to be um, fully age-rated. So it's, it's, you know, it's shocking to think how much insurance costs today. It's just not affordable for most people. And then once you have it, well, you still can't afford to use it because you've got a $3,000, $5,000, dollars $10,000 deductible, uh, massive co-insurance. You have to pay 20% of your hospital bills. The out-of-pocket max is really high. 
I mean, we see now more than ever that so-called insurance coverage does not translate into having health care. And, you know, just like so many things, Katie, uh, things are, are probably not going to get better before they get worse. It's going to be just the opposite. Things are going to get more expensive before uh, this whole issue of health care is ever really figured out. And the way that we are going in this country, I can see health care sharing ministries like what the Alliance has pulled together and kind of oversees this whole uh, this whole process becoming much more popular as people discover, as people learn that this, especially for believers now, uh, as they learn this whole process, uh, that it's available to them and how well it works, it's going to become, I believe, the wave of the future for Christians. And I know that's what your goal would be, right? Right. I mean, we, we agree that this is sort of how Jesus would do healthcare. <laughs> we think it is. Um, so we agree. It's, it's more than just lower costs. And, and I think that's really important for your audience and others to understand is that we're not just cheaper insurance. That's not what a healthcare sharing ministry is. Um, really, it's, it's about the community and how we share in one another's needs. You know, there are so many beautiful stories that our ministries talk to me about, whether it's um, a member has a miscarriage and they get a, a, a care package and sympathy notes from other members um, in the healthcare sharing ministry, or when you adopt a child and you get a, a, a payment from other members to help with the cost of that adoption. If you call one of our ministries, and you're having a healthcare situation and you just need prayer or encouragement, you will have people on the phone praying with you, right? That's, I mean, healthcare is so personal. We are at our most vulnerable when we are undergoing a healthcare crisis. That is when we are faced with the biggest spiritual realities, right? We're, we're brushing up against mortality. We're facing what really matters. When you hear that word cancer or heart attack or car accidents, you know, when you're talking about a loved one, everything else in life just shrinks and all you're focused on is that crisis. Nothing else matters. And in that situation, we don't want cold bureaucracies and corporate capitalist entities in charge of what happens next. We want to be in our community of believers. We want people praying for us. We want to know that we're surrounded by those clouds of witnesses in heaven and here on earth, mm-hmm. holding us up during those times. And that's well said. And, you know, the particular ministry that we were part of is Samaritan. I know that would be one of the, the real popular of the Christian share ministries. But there are many others. And your alliance, how many groups do you work with regularly? So we work with about five, sometimes six of the largest healthcare sharing ministries that are recognized by the federal law. So uh, the Affordable Care Act of all, of all things actually recognizes healthcare sharing ministries because it exempts our members from the law's individual mandate, which is not as meaningful anymore because that mandate has been zeroed out um, exactly, to zero yeah. by, by the Trump administration and the Congress in 2017. But um, but that definition is still in, in federal law, and our ministries have recognition under it. And so we, we work with the majority of those large nationwide ministries like that. 
And like I said, there's a, a number of them, and we hear a lot of them on the radio being advertised, uh, Samaritan being one of them, also MediShare. And all of these, uh, there are differences in some of the share ministries. So it really is helpful, isn't it, to kind of investigate and find out which one feels like the best fit for you. It's true. Each one has a different culture. It's so fun for me because I get to work with the leadership of of all of those ministries and get to know what are the differences between them, what are their cultural differences. Um, And so, yeah, some have more of a kind of startup kind of feel. Um, Some are really old school where you get get checks in the mail from a number of members um, each time you have a healthcare sharing request. And so others, you know, things are more electronic and kind of um, uh, it operates online more. And, you know, they, they each work a little differently, but they all have the same heart and the same, you know, love for one another amongst their members. It's really a beautiful model. Mm-hmm. Now, we're seeing right now Americans, by and large, are returning to what would have been like maybe the mindset of healthcare from the standpoint of going to a doctor for things that during the COVID time, for about two years, a lot of those things were almost uh, not not eliminated, but they were kind of deferred. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I mean, we are seeing a return to sort of regularized healthcare utilization rates. If, I think that's what you're getting at is all the people who were staying away because of mask mandates or vaccine mandates or um, healthcare appointments not being allowed except for emergencies. Um, a lot of people's doctor's offices closed or went virtual only. A lot of hospitals or outpatient centers were uh, not accepting people who were not in some sort of emergent crisis. And so, yeah, we're starting to see that routine care, which um, can be really important, uh, kick back up. And um, yeah, but that, that's probably good. You know, we want people accessing their doctors and their other healthcare providers, whether it's a naturopath or a homeopath, um, acupuncturist. You know, there's all kinds of healthcare out there. And one of the wonderful things about healthcare sharing ministries is many of them uh, really encourage and allow alternative kinds of providers, healthcare providers. Um, it's not like a, a bureaucratic insurance company where you, you can only go to a certain list of doctors. Right. Now, the last time you were here, we talked about expenses being what they are. And the government, you said, and you're so right, even back when we went on and the ACA ourselves, when we joined Obamacare, uh, my wife and I, uh, that premium that we paid, which, you know, was kind of funny that it would be talked about this way long before all of this ever happened, but it was supposed to be free health care. And, you know, that was the, the terms that would have been floated out that we America needed free health care, like what England had. And we needed this free health care. You don't hear the term free uh, ever associated with <laughs> anything Obamacare anymore because it isn't and it never was free. There's no such thing as a free lunch, especially in health care, right? Well, certainly uh, healthcare is is far from free. Now, I think, you know, the proponents of the law were were referring to the government subsidies that would eliminate much or all of the patient cost sharing for some people who met the income requirements. So there are subsidies of some of those premiums for some people. Um, And in fact, 
during the COVID crisis, those subsidies were expanded to a much larger pool of people. And the Congress just this weekend expanded those subsidies for another three years. I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, you know, the the closest thing to eternal life is a government program. <laughs> I'm not sure those subsidies are ever going to end. <laughs> but um, I think that's yeah, funny. I mean, even even when you get um, even when you get subsidized, if you're buying an exchange plan, you know you still have a ten thousand dollars deductible, right? And um, you know it's certainly not free, right? The 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 taxpayers are paying for that. And the insurance companies, they keep they keep hiking rates every year. In fact, this year, it's, it's reported the insurance rates are going up by 10% um, across multiple carriers in about 13 states where, that were studied. So that's, that's scary. Um, and a lot of people who are not subsidized, you know, who don't meet those income requirements, are just middle-class families trying to get by, self-employed, small, small businesses, truckers. You know, there's all kinds of people out there who won't qualify for subsidies, but have no other option. And if they love Jesus and if they want a different way, you know, healthcare sharing ministries could be a great solution for their family. I really think it is. And I, again, I, I'm pretty convinced that as time goes on for believers, when they look at what's on the horizon for the way things are going up, uh, you've mentioned these subsidies that the government is, has really been kind of covering. That's a, an artificial help and in a real sense produces an artificial premium that is actually much lower. And it looked like for a while, I know the last time you and I talked just about, what, two months ago, it looked like the sunset on this subsidy was going to be leaving and people were looking at drastic increases if that ever goes away. And here's the deal. That's not promise that that still won't happen at some point, right? Exactly. I mean, when you put your life and death health care costs into the hands of politicians in Congress, uh, you, know, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, all the wrangling and deal making and horse trading that we saw over the past few weeks as Congress has tried to figure out whether they're going to have a, a big reconciliation bill that they jammed through on a party line vote with the vice president breaking a tie. You know, that's everyone's healthcare destiny that's on the exchanges who are getting subsidized that was in the hands of all that wheeling and dealing. Yes. That's just not a secure place to be. And what's more, you know, you're absolutely right that just because these things are subsidized doesn't mean that premiums aren't, you know, underneath those subsidies aren't going up. We have seen premiums more than double since the ACA started in 2013, rolled out, at least exchanges rolled out in 2013. More than double deductibles and more than triple. And so, you know, that's going up for everybody. So whether you're getting your insurance on the job through your employer, I mean, employer premiums have more than quadrupled in the past 20 years. And their deductibles have gone up dramatically. So everyone is just sucking wind on healthcare costs. It's so bad. And one of the beautiful things that I really appreciate, because I'm kind of a health policy wonk, and one of the things I love is, is what are the disruptive things that alternatives out there that can help keep costs down? And I love seeing healthcare sharing ministries because one, one of the things they'll do is they'll help negotiate bills um, using a cash discounted price, or they'll help their members negotiate with hospitals, or they'll do the negotiation with them. And it's not, you're not just expected to pay, you know, the average commercial rate that insurance companies are paying for for Medicare is has a markup of 
five times their cost. So when, when you're getting a commercial rate, it's outrageous. And so a commercial rate might, you know, you might get a 50% discount if you're with Blue Cross, but that's 50% off what? They keep raising their list prices yeah. higher and higher and higher. So having some sort of downward pressure on those prices with patient advocates and navigators to help you do that, that's really important. And more and more healthcare sharing ministries are really amping up those efforts and those supportive services for their members. Wow. And it really keeps costs low. Yeah. Katie Tolinto from the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries. Give us the website, if you will. Yeah, it's www.ahcsm.org. That's our acronym, Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries, ahcsm.org. Thank you for being with me today, Katie. It's always great to chat with you, and thank you for what you're doing for this country. My pleasure. Thank you. Right back at you, Mike. We'll be back with segment three coming up in just a moment. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. With me in this segment right now is Karen England. Karen is a spokesperson for the film that we've been discussing now for a number of weeks. It's Truth and Lies in American Education. Uh, it's put out by United States Parents Involved in Education, otherwise known as U.S. Pi. And uh, Karen herself is the executive director of Capital Resource Institute and the founder of the Nevada Family Alliance. Welcome to my program. Hey, thank you for having me. What a great topic to be talking about in August. Yeah, that's right. That's well, cool. The, the weather is uh, hot. It's hard to imagine right now. It still feels like the throes of summer. But yeah, school is uh, just about ready. If not, some probably some people are uh, already back on the campuses right now getting ready maybe for orientation and things like that. But it's all about ready to crank back up again, right? Oh, absolutely. So like I said, Thank you for having me. This is the perfect time to be talking about these issues. Well, you know, Karen, uh, it is something that is so concerning. Uh, the state of our country, number one in general, is is just that of great concern. I mean, we're drifting away and farther away and seemingly impossibly away from the core truths of the gospel, which our founders loved and really had in their hearts when this country was formed. But we are now seeing a school system in America that is indoctrinating young people. And I think a lot of parents don't even know, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's what I love about this film and my participation. I've been dealing with school districts for the last 25 years and with, with parents um, 
you know, we always think it's happening in someone else's district, but not my district, not my teacher. And I think the film shows what I've been trying to tell people, no matter whether you're in a red state or a blue state, that this is going on at the local level, because it's not about who your governor is. It's about the entire education bureaucracy being taken over by activists. And, you know, today I'm actually in Tennessee, expanded to Tennessee, and first day of school, parents, teachers were told that they have to refer to uh, people as their preferred pronoun. So I'm now working with some Christian teachers that say that violates my beliefs, what are my rights, and trying to encourage them. They never thought this would be happening in, you know, red state Tennessee. And yet it is. And that and a whole lot more, (laughs) a whole lot more. It's hard to believe that right here in Florida, and I know this is one of the things, I believe it's actually brought up uh, in the film, uh, the the Leon County case in Florida is something that uh, I've had on as well. Vernadette has been on my program, Vernadette Broyles, an attorney from uh, the Tallahassee area, and she has been... um, uh, she has been on the program a couple of times, one with Miss Littlejohn, who is the, the parent of, of the center of all of that uh, situation in Leon County. But we have school boards that are basically subverting the authority of uh, parents from them and uh, doing things with these parents' kids and shielding information from the parents. It's happening all across the country, isn't it? Oh, it is. And you mentioned Bernadette, who is um, quite a trooper. And you need to know that there are law firms out there that will represent you pro bono. I mean, they do this because they really believe in it and they have donors that back them. And so I want to give a shout out to Bernadette. But one of the things I just found out this morning, and I'm tracking it down here in Tennessee, they're doing the same thing. And the preferred pronouns, even if it's different than their biology, and keeping that information from the parents. Now, this is Tennessee. You can't do that in Tennessee. First of all, Tennessee has certain laws as well as as case law that backs them up. But since when are we having teachers lie to parents about what's going on and what gender their, their children think they are? Again, this is happening everywhere. And parents, that's what's great about this film. I think the film even shows kind of the eye-opening of, of a mom that really didn't know how bad things were. And for organizations like Capital Resource Institute, where we've been trying to kind of sound the alarm and say, hey, here are the questions you need to be asking your children about what's going on in your classroom, people are finding out this is not one isolated case, and it, it's happening all over, from California to Virginia to Florida you know, to, to Idaho. And see, the fact that that is true, that just uh, shoots in, in the head this notion that my school, as, as so many people are saying, is not a part of that or they're not touched by that. When, when it, there seems to be this centralized teaching or directing or, you know, some playbook that is being handed down, nationally speaking, to to and through all teachers I mean, it has to be coming from either the NEA or some organization like that, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, there are several blueprints, um, and you can go to our YouTube page because I've done some some presentations on some of the blueprints that progressives have and the different groups, especially around sex education and gender ideology, whether it's SECUS or 
you know, you can look and you can find out who are my local partners in my state. Like in Tennessee, there are two specific groups that are listed in this, you know, blueprint um, in order to get reproductive rights, as they call them, into the schools and gender ideology. And so it's something that is going on. I, I cannot stress this enough. I've been saying it for years. It is going on in your school district. And your school board may not even know about it. I mean, often it's they're, they're coming in through the side door because teachers went to some training with some progressive training person or the ACLU or a gender, you know, progressive group. And they're being told this is the law. You have to do it. But that isn't the case. And that's why it's so important for parents to get educated on what's going on in their school district and what are the parent and the student's rights? What are the laws surrounding these issues? Yeah, it's it's really important that we get to know that. And we I think one of the big things would be that this film is doing, it's it's really helping open the eyes of parents that this is a widespread problem, not just here and there, not a hopscotch at this school and then yeah, this class doesn't have it. it it's really pervasive throughout the American public education system. No, you are absolutely right, and that they need to get informed. I love how this covers, this film covers many different aspects. I know I talked about the comprehensive sex education, and I'm shocked, even since I did the filming, the things I've learned in the school districts I've learned where they're doing comprehensive sex education and teaching kids about pleasure and about contraception, even in states where the law says you're not supposed to do that. So that's what's beautiful about this film. It gives you a little bit of everything that is going on, and those are the, the things that you can start to look for and ask questions about in your local school district. Now, we know the story. We interviewed, actually, April Few. It's all based on her, and uh, I think there's uh, her daughter is like one of the lead actresses in this, right? Well, yes, and actually not to correct the host, but she's not even an actress. You know, she's she's just sharing from her perspective her journey. Ah. And this is a journey that, you know, I went through 28 years ago when, when I, you know, started looking at things in California at my local school district because I had a foster son. And my eyes have just been opened up. And like I said, I'm 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 floored as I sit here today at some of the things I'm being contacted with in Tennessee these past 24 hours since school just started yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so, again, if it's in Tennessee and Florida with, with DeSantis, it's everywhere. California has spread everywhere. It didn't stay in California. Yeah, unfortunately, that is exactly right. You know, with all of the talk about privacy and rights of every individual over the last several years, I mean, we've all been inundated with both email as well as regular mail with privacy notices. Uh, you know, it seems that when it comes to this agenda, all privacy is thrown out the window. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's total hypocrisy as well. You know, they say follow the science, except when it comes to biology. You know, my body, my choice, except when it comes to vaccines. I mean, it is just uh, black is white and white is black. Evil is called good and good is called evil. And we have been warned about these times. And there's a great book out there, Live Not By Lies. I just really recommend that, that 
Courage is courageous, and we need parents, teachers, and students to be courageous. This, we are living in different times. You know, I think everybody woke up after COVID, and although it was a bit of an obstacle, it became an opportunity for us. And I think our eyes have been opened. And, you know, it goes back to the Ben Franklin, the founding of our country, when they asked what form of government, you know, we have. And he said, well, we have a republic if we can keep it. Yeah, if we can keep it. Yes, that that is so true right now. That requires of us a stewardship of keeping our freedom. That means not sticking our head in the sand, uh, not wanting to, you know, not be liked so we don't stand up for truth. It means being courageous and 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 battling for the heart and soul of our country. Mm-hmm. And and this film helps parents do that. You know, I remember the early days of Nikita Khrushchev when I was a young guy pounding on the podium with a, well, I guess, with his shoe and, and saying that they were going to grab the, the next generation. You know, that's been the goal all along is that you can change America if you grab a hold of the next generation. So we're only a, a generation or so away from losing all of the, the things that we have held dear. And this film, Truth and Lies in American Education, it's an important uh, tool that every parent can use. And all they have to do is go to this website, truthandliesfilm.us. That's truthandliesfilm.us. And uh, I know you're involved in it. We've mentioned some other names like Bernadette Broyles, a- April Few, Sam Sorbel, uh, people that uh, my audience, have they've heard these names before. They've been on my show before. We're so grateful that we, we can kind of help spread the word about this. And, and what, what closing thoughts do you have that you can share with us about this film of which you're a part? Well, just that it is worth every minute of watching. You know, you can host, uh, you know, a mom's night out or, or a luncheon or something and go ahead and, you know, try and share what's going on. And it's just crucial. In this film, you know, we're only asking you to watch it. Watch it and then you decide if this is something you need to be, be worried about. Now, how does it work with this film? Uh, can people who purchase it, is it like they can show it to different people? Or how does that work? Yes, you can show it at your home. You know, you can't go show it at a theater, but you can show it at your home. You know, I recommend having coffee, that kind of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's all available. And I believe it is something that it, this is, just like you said, just the very first week of school it's time that we got involved in understanding and being awakened to this woke culture that's out there because I tell you what, they're not waiting around on our kids, are they? No, they are not. And, and you mentioned it. They've been telling us they're going to do this. Are we going to believe them? Yep. Yep. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Karen England, and she's involved in this wonderful film, Truth and Lies in American Education. Karen, thanks for being with me. Hey, thank you for having me. That's it for today. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike.